Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Hey, friends, welcome here to another episode of your Uncommon Lunchbox with your host, Chris Craddock, myself, Jeff Safright. Today, we have a, a very cool guy on with this, uh, Mr. Chris Nagel, who's um, going to tell us how, I, I believe, going to tell us how to be our own bank. Uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and introduce Chris, and let's jump in and, and do this thing. Absolutely. So, psyched to be here with you guys. I appreciate the invite and uh, really excited to teach people the truth about money and, you know, how money really works. Because uh, when I first learned this in 14, it was after multiple failures in my life. I've ridden some of the craziest roller coaster rides of having money, you know, being a high level advisor to losing it all in 08, to building it back up and diving into real estate and having 36 units to in 14, losing it all again. And uh, that. That's, you know, sometimes when you're at the very bottom, when you think life is just going to get, you know, handed to you over and over again, you're actually open to the truth. And that was when I found it because being a high level advisor, you think you know everything about financial uh, stuff, stocks, bonds and everything, but all you know is what they taught you. And what they didn't teach me was what the wealthy actually do with money. And from 14 straight through today, I've been a, a student of some of the wealthiest individuals out there from multimillionaires to billionaires, and I've learned their secrets. And I continue to learn and teach what they do and how the wealthy do things different than what we do with our money. That's, that's awesome, brother. So, you know, just over the last few years, I've started, you know, doing private loans and hard money and, you know, just working to be my own bank in, in a number of places. Um, I would love, would you mind just sharing kind of like a 101 level um, just for, because I've started spending a lot of time in this and I still feel like I'm such a novice when it comes to this after I've spent a bunch of time. And I know that, that you're like, this is your level of genius in this field. So um, would you mind um, just kind of sharing a 101 level of that? And then we can kind of dive into some of that um, after that. Sure. Real quick, Chris. Yeah. Craddock gets really excited sometimes. You just said something that, in my opinion, is is incredible, and 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 something that we all need to learn. Like you know, you were you were on top, you were on bottom, on top, on bottom, and we all hear right that 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 you know, there's no such thing as failure. There's only learning opportunity. All these different things, um, man. When you're in that zone and when you're in that moment, like it doesn't feel like that, right? Oh, I mean, it Jeff. feels like the world is crushing you. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like you've been there a, a couple different times. So, you know, rush into the rest of the stuff. Is there one thing that you would say for, for the people that are that are either there right now or, in my opinion, the, the worst place is to be afraid to go there, right? Not not because we want to intentionally make big mistakes, but um, but because, you know, oftentimes people are more afraid of success because if they lose that success, then they are of actually, you know, just being there in the first place. So, so I guess for both of those groups of people, like what is something you would say that helped you to persevere and, and be back to where you are now? 
Yeah. And, and let me just kind of go back a little further. So, you know, I didn't grow up in a family with money. Actually, I grew up in a very low income family, you know, alcoholic dad and all the such. So when I got money, when I finally started making great money and I didn't make it when I was a professional snowboarder or when I started my first company, that was just enough to get by and live the life. But when I became an advisor in the early 2000s, I was making hundreds of thousands. So when you don't have money and then all of a sudden you have it and you start having the things, the car, the, the dream house. Then all of a sudden, when all that stuff is stripped away, you're absolutely right. Like, it's easy for us to sit here in hindsight and say, oh, it's just a learning lesson to move forward. Listen, when I lost it all in 08, and, I, and the worst one was 14, it felt like the world was over. Literally, you start having those bad thoughts in your mind of like, hey, maybe I am a failure. Maybe I am supposed to be at the bottom. Maybe I should just like, you know, I had bad thoughts. But when you're in those moments, I, I, I know what it's like. And there's nothing I can tell you that's going to help you feel better outside of in those moments, the most important thing you need to look at is your surroundings. Who are you surrounding yourself? You know, Will Rogers said the most profound quote. He said, yeah, the biggest problem in America is not what people don't know. The biggest problem in America is what people think they know that just ain't so. The, the chances are the reason you're there is because you thought you knew something that you didn't know, or you surrounded yourself around people that thought they knew what they didn't know. And when I was there, both times, I was surrounding myself around people that kept me there. People that were negative Nellies, people that always said, oh, why don't you just live a normal life? Oh, you got plenty of money. You know, why are you always striving for more? And that is exactly what you need to get rid of in your life at those points. When you're at the bottom and you have nothing else to lose, flush everything. Literally get a blank canvas, paint the picture of the day, the perfect day you want to live, and then find people living that day. And then whatever it takes. Listen, when I was at the bottom, I had no money, but I had a credit card. And I maxed that sucker out to be in a place where the people that were living the day I wanted to live were. And look, that's when it changed. So there's no easy path, but it is the only path that most people will, you know, the, the only path that people can take at that point is the path up. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now let's get into some of the nitty gritty details here. So, so can you give us kind of a, a one-on-one level of um, what you teach, how, how being your own bank, how, you know, just, just some of the, the basic guidelines behind why you think the way that you think, speaking of being around sure. people that think differently. Super easy. And I'm going to keep it literally at a fifth grade level. And I learned this at that in 2014 at that low level from a, an incredibly successful real estate investor. And, you know, I didn't mention my real estate experience, but me and my wife, you know, we flipped hundreds of houses, 267 to date, lots of rental portfolios. Um, and, you know, when I had all that, I was always trying to get to the point where I was going to be the bank, where I had millions of dollars that I could lend out. But when that guy stood up there and said, you know, to the ultimate in real estate is being the bank. I didn't understand it. I thought I got to have millions, but that wasn't the case. What I needed to understand is the function and the process of actually what being the bank means. And here's the thing that I think a lot of people make the mistake is our entire lives, we have been taught to go get a job, trade hours for dollars and work for money. We've never been taught how to actually have our money 
work for us. So that's the first thing. When you think of a bank, this is all we do. We just mimic what the wealthy and what the banks do. When you think of what you do at the bank, you take your dollars that you earn, right? I'm holding a hundred dollar bill. You take this money and you go into the bank and you give the teller that money to deposit. It feels good. Like how many of you don't love making a deposit? You love it. But what you hate is giving money away. But what you just did by giving the bank your money is you literally gave away your most valuable dollars because this hundred dollars that you're holding right here, this is the most valuable this $100 bill will ever be. Tomorrow, it's worth less. The year after that, it's worth less and less and less. Inflation will crush this dollar, but you just put it somewhere where technically you think you're in control, but you're not. And all of you should have taken notes last year when COVID hit. When you had money in the bank, if any of you went and tried withdrawing all your money from the bank, you would have found a harsh reality, and that was you couldn't. So if you're in control of your money you put in the bank and the bank pays you next to nothing, why are you not able to take all your money out when things fall apart? The answer is you are not in control of your money. You've been taught and trained your entire life with finite science to give up control of every dollar you make. And then what happens is when you give up the control, the bank, Wall Street, your 401k, everything else except for self-directed IRAs, which I'm going to hit on those, okay, where you put your money, somebody else is in control of it. Somebody else is making money on that money, including a bank, because when you put money in a bank, do they put it in a little box with your name on it in the back? I think not. Those little glass cubicles, what are they doing? They're taking your hundred and lending your hundred out to somebody else at a higher rate than what they're paying you. You are losing out on all the potential that that money had and you just think it's okay. So here's the difference. What if I told you that what the wealthy do is not complicated, it is not difficult, and it all starts with changing just one thing in the beginning, and that one change is where this money goes first. Not all of the money you make, but the money that you save, and just statistically in America, every dollar you make, 90 cents of that dollar is given away to somebody else. Just do the math, figure it out. What is your number? You make $100? How much of that $100 goes to somebody else and how much are you keeping? The answer should be $10 of that 100 is what you're saving. So where is that $10 going? Is it going to a 401k where you gave up control? Is it going to just sit in a savings account? The wealthy take that money to start and they change the bank where it sits. Now, most of you think of a bank as a traditional, conventional bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. But what the wealthy figured out back in the Rockefeller and the Rothschild days is banks weren't the safe place to put their money. Banks fail. 2008 proved that. The Great Depression proved that. And what's coming in the next couple of years here is going to prove that again. But let's just get back to today. Where wealthy put their money is in their own private bank. You've heard of this before. This is nothing new, but it's not a bank. They put it in the most financially secure institution in the world, and that is none other than a giant mutually owned insurance company. Insurance companies have been around longer than any financial institution, and guess what? They don't fail like banks do. They don't take risky bets like banks do, but you don't know how to park your money in an insurance company and get the returns that they get in their general account, or do you? Because I'll tell you what the wealthy figured out is they said, okay, if I can't get this money to work at a regular bank, I'm going to change where I hold this money. And what they did is they said, well, insurance companies have all the money. The insurance companies are making all the money and they have those great returns. I want that. 
And to figure out how to create your own bank with an insurance company, it starts with a very simple, old, old, boring vehicle called a whole life insurance policy. But when do you think of whole life? You think of the gurus, the Dave Ramsey's, the Susie Ormans. That's the worst place you can put your money. Absolutely. If you put your money in a regular whole life insurance policy, Dave Ramsey's right. It's probably the worst place you could put your money. But what we're not, what we're not explaining and what you haven't figured out yet is there's not just one flavor of whole life. You see, the ones what I'm talking about that the wealthy use, they are high cash value plans, specially designed and engineered whole life plans that work nothing like the whole life that you took out to protect your life if you graduate too early. These work like a banking account. They work like a banking system, to be honest with you. In other words, if I take this $100 and I change where this money goes first, and I put it into this specially designed whole life, then all of a sudden I get a real estate opportunity. And now my money's in this account. And I'm like, crap, I can't miss out on this opportunity. I need to take my money out. Well, great. Well, what if you then were able to take a percentage, you know, let's just say it's the first year out of that $100, you take $90 of that money back out of the account, but you don't take your money your money, that hundred you put in your specially designed whole life, your private bank from here on out, that money never leaves your account, but you're holding $90 of it. So where'd that money come from? Came from the insurance company's general account. They gave you a loan from their general account. No questions, no credit checks, just 36 hours later, the money's in your hand. And now you're thinking, oh crap, now I got $90 that I owe back to the insurance company. Wrong. What if I told you the insurance company doesn't care if you ever pay that $90 loan back to that account ever. They don't care because the insurance company advanced you a portion of another guarantee they made. And that guarantee is a death benefit. So what happened there? I changed where this hundred dollars went first. It went into a different type of an account, especially designed whole life. And that whole life is going to pay me a guaranteed interest rate. As of this year, this will change next year under 7702, but this year it's 4% interest. How many of you are getting 4% at your bank? I'll get, never mind, don't answer that. None of you. And how many of you are getting paid a dividend every year on your bank account? None of you. So if you change just where that money goes, you get paid a guaranteed 4% plus a dividend, which gets you to about 6%. But now I'm able to take $90 or, you know, eventually more than what I put in, but let's just talk first year, $90 of that money. The insurance company advanced my death benefit to me. I don't care. I, I'm not going to die tomorrow, or at least I hope I don't. So never met anyone that cared more about the money somebody gets the day they die than they do about the money while they're living. So if I've got the $90, now what am I going to do with that? Well, let's start with the most obvious place we give money away. How many of you guys have used credit cards? Jeff, you ever use credit cards and not pay the balance off at the end of the month? From time to time. Chris, same thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, before we get to that, can we can we yeah. backtrack just a little bit? Please, because, please. So I came from a very, very, very strong Dave Ramsey background. I was I was in ministry, made very little money. The Dave Ramsey um, idea made a lot of sense to me at the time. And plus, I saw so many of my buddies, so many of my friends got out of college, and the first thing they did was go get their you know financial planning or whatever their Series Six license and uh, start trying to sell. Like their the number one thing that they were all pitching was whole life insurance. And I'm hearing Dave Ramsey, and I see a bunch of my friends that buy whole life insurance, and then they like one of my good buddies like you know end up losing a bunch of money right away because he got into it. Anyway, uh, and they got out of it, lost lost a bunch of money. And uh, then 
as I, you know, got into real estate, started leveling up with some of the people that I were hanging with, everybody's talking about whole life insurance being their own bank as like, like this is just what the wealthy are doing. And it, it just was so weird to me. And so I know you kind of answered that question, but would you mind like just, just speaking to that just a little bit more in depth? Because I think it's really important because like, I mean, Dave Ramsey is somebody that a lot of people respect, but when I hang out with my wealthy friends, they're all not talking, they're talking a different language than what Dave Ramsey's talking. And I think Dave Ramsey was speaking well to me when I was in ministry making no money, um, but I don't know that he speaks well to me anymore that now that I, I have more income coming in. Do you mind speaking to that a little bit? Absolutely, Chris. We just did a whole video uh, kind of with the, you know, about Dave Ramsey. First off, I love Dave Ramsey. I think Dave Ramsey does an unbelievable job helping millions of people get out of the financial slavery called debt. He does a phenomenal job at that. Here's where I think Dave Ramsey falls short a little bit. Dave Ramsey, I want you to envision like you found a wounded bird outside. It broke its wing. It hit your window and you feel bad. So you bring it inside. You, you get a little cage and you nurture that bird. You feed it. You get it back so it's healthy. And, you know, the bird starts loving you because you helped the bird get ready. But then the bird is ready to get set back out into the wild and go fly free. Dave Ramsey doesn't let the bird fly. Dave Ramsey does such a great job, but he... He also, and it's purely evidence, he just did a video and I'll have one on my YouTube kind of going about this, but all about what we're talking about, the privatized banking, the infinite banking concept. And I promise you, he does not understand it because in the video he does with this guy, Jason, who was you know talking to his advisor about this, Dave Ramsey was blatantly wrong in a whole bunch of the things he said, not because Dave Ramsey's not smart, he's very smart uh, in what he does. Sim Dave Ramsey simply hasn't dove deep enough to understand why the wealthy of the circle that you're surrounding yourself with use whole life. Dave Ramsey thinks whole life is just whole life. And it's an expensive life insurance plan, which it absolutely is. If, like I said in the beginning, like what I'm talking about, what the banks use, what your wealthy friends you're talking about use is a whole life. But what they fail to tell you is it is nothing at all like the whole life design that Dave Ramsey's talking about. It is designed backwards. When this specially designed whole life built for banking is built, it's built upside down. In other words, when you buy a regular whole life, what do you do? You go to your insurance agent or your advisor and you say, uh, your, your advisor says, how much death benefit do you want? You say, I don't know, let's do a million bucks. What's that gonna cost me? Keyword, what is that going to cost me? Oh, that's gonna be $500 a month. Oh, that's expensive. Okay, let's flip it upside down. Let's say we go to our bank and we say, you know, all right, I want to open a bank account. Great. How much do you want to deposit? Oh, I want to deposit $500. That feels good. See, we build these plans backwards. The, the, the focus is the money that you're putting into it. We don't want the money to go to the cost of insurance. So what we do is we find out by IRS rules, because there's a lot of rules, how much can we stuff into this stupid whole life policy? Okay. How much money can we stuff in there and put it into the general account of the insurance company? Because that's where the return is. And then we figure that number out and then we say, well, what's the minimum death benefit we can put on this plan to satisfy the IRS requirement? So now all of a sudden we've built a really cool design that now most of the money's in the insurance company's general account earning those returns and only a small fraction is going to the death benefit. But then the IRS comes in and says, oh, wait, hold on. There's this max seven pay rule. You don't have enough death benefit to support the amount of money you put in. So then we do what Dave Ramsey loves, term insurance. We put a term rider on the policy to support what the IRS wants and get the death benefit to where it needs to be. And that cost us pennies. Dave Ramsey loves term. 
But Dave Ramsey never talks about that. See, what we're doing is we're building a vehicle that is going to basically work so that we can capture uninterrupted compound interest on our money without having to give much of it up to cost because we want the lowest cost, the highest return. Isn't that what everybody wants? And we want access to our capital when and how without anyone asking us anything. I hate going to the bank, taking a large deposit. I'm like, can you fill this form out, Mr. Noggle? I'm like, what is this? Why am I filling this out? That's my money I lent to you. Oh, well, we need this to fill out so the government can tax the hell out of you and you know, blah, blah, blah. The insurance company doesn't ask you for anything. You click a button, the money's in your account. So back to Dave Ramsey, Dave just doesn't understand what we do. He does, but he fails to want to admit that the way we design whole life is actually really smart financially. And don't take my word for it or Dave's word for it. Why is it that all the wealthy use this? You keep hearing about it. Why is it that banks own more whole life insurance than they do all the land and buildings combined? Look up Bank of America's financial statement. Their balance sheet will show you. They have more whole life. All See, but that's, that to me is the craziest part of this whole thing is you start, you, success leaves clues. And if all the wealthy people are doing this, that was to me the crazy thing. I, like, cause I, I remember I was rabid. I'm like, no, I don't want, you know, like no chance. And then all my wealthy friends are all putting their money there. And then I'm like, well, dang, if they're all doing that, I got to ask myself the question, why? And, and it, that, and that was kind of the start on my path. I actually just bought my first, first policy last year. And, awesome. uh, you know, I think I'm going to start putting more and more into stuff going forward. So yeah, no, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So. And, and, and like, here's the whole sum up. I'll just wrap it up now that we kind of went through like why and, and folks, you guys do your own research. Listen, banks, the funniest thing that bothers me, and I seriously lose sleep over this. Why is it that the banks and all the banks do the complete opposite of what they tell us to do? They put all their money, their tier one capital and whole life insurance for obvious reasons that we can get into. But then they tell us to do the opposite and put our money in mutual funds and brokerages and CDs and bank accounts where they are in control of our money. It, they do the opposite of every one of them do. Bank accounts, Wall Street, they do the opposite of what they tell you to do. But you don't know that because you're just drinking from the fire hose of the news, the media and everything that the advisors tell you. I know. 16 years in Wall Street at a high level. I know what we did. I know it wasn't always the right thing for the client, but it's just what we were spoon fed. So why would you use this, this whole life plan, right? The specially designed whole life. There's one particular reason and one reason only, if you really boil it down, it's called uninterrupted compound interest. I have a place now where I can put my money, get a guaranteed interest rate. I can take that money back out and still get that guaranteed interest rate on every penny in there. There's not another vehicle on earth that allows you to earn interest while still being able to use your money. And once you got that money, what can you do? We were talking credit cards. I could pay off Visa with this money, this loan that I took for my death benefit, pay off Visa. And then the smart thing is, is if we're paying Visa uh, 20% and I pay Visa off, take the money you were paying to Visa, change the name on the check and pay it back to your bank. You literally just made yourself or recaptured 20% that you were giving away. Look through your whole line, car payments. With what we do with the, the infinite banking concept, which is just the process of how we move money, we can show people in 10 minutes how to get every penny back for all the cars they will ever buy driving them. In other words, like how would people love to get all the money back for every car they buy driving them? Okay, how about at a higher level, like the friends you were talking about, they're buying real estate. Well, what if they can buy a rental 
and get all the money back for every rental they ever buy before they even factor in the rental income. They can't. Just change the name on the check of where those monthly mortgage payments go. That's what you do. That's what we teach people. It's so simple, but it's the complete opposite of what you've been taught your whole life, which is the complicated part. We've only been taught to give up money. We've never been taught how to make our money work for us. And this goes the same for self-directed IRAs, loans on 401ks. My favorite, if you guys don't mind, let me mention one that I think is the biggest secret right now that people aren't tapping into is your house. Every one of us have a house that we live in. And if you own your house, I can tell you one thing for certain, your value has gone up quite a bit in the last couple of years. And if it has gone up, that means you have equity in your house. So people get super excited and I have conversations all the time. Oh, my house is worth X amount. I got all this equity. I'm like, oh, wow, great. That's awesome. You must feel great about that equity in your house. Oh yeah, it feels so good to have all this equity. I'm like, great. Um, I, I mean, you're driving a nicer car. I mean, you're taking more vacations because of that equity. Well, no, I just have more equity. My house is just worth more. I said, oh, gotcha. So what you're saying is every day you go to work and you come home after that long, hard day that you just put in overtime and you open your front door, it's dark out, you're exhausted. And you look into your living room from that front door and right there on your couch is your money, your equity, which is the same as your money, sitting on your couch, eating your soda or drinking your soda, eating your potato chips, watching your TV and your money looks back at you and it's smiling and it just says to you, what, did you have a hard day? Folks, you are letting your money sit on your couch lazy if you have equity in your house. Take the equity out through a home equity line of credit or a home, le a home equity agreement, which is not a debt. It's just, I'm not gonna get into it, but you have access to that capital. Take that money and deploy that money. Pay off your credit card debt and then take the amount you're giving the credit cards and pay it back to your home equity line of credit or go buy a piece of real estate that's cash producing. Take the cash, pay it back to the home equity line. But literally, like that money is just sitting there begging for you to teach it how to go to work, but you're not. You're just bragging that you got equity and it's doing nothing to change your life. And then when the market tanks and all that equity vanishes out of thin air, you're going to say, oh, I should have, I could have, I would have. So, so you're saying... Your, your thought is take your money out, home equity line, open a uh, policy, use that policy. Um, now the interest you'll compound on that, will it be higher low? Like, like how are you making, are, are you arbitraging? Yeah. Like, like, what does that look like? You definitely can, but let's, let's take a step back. I'm definitely not saying that that's something I talk about a lot is going and getting a home equity line, take the home equity line, put it through the policy. You could, but that's a mathematical equation. It's simple. If your policy pays you four and your cost on your home equity line is three, you got an arbitrage of one, right? But then you got to factor out the cost for the insurance. So a lot of times that's not going to make financial sense unless we have somewhere after we deposit the money from the home equity in the policy to deploy that money. So maybe, you know, you got a home equity line and you put it through the policy because you got an arbitrage of one. So now that money's sitting in the policy. If, if you folks get excited about 1%, we have other problems to discuss. So now it's making 1%. Wow, whip-de-doo. But now let's look at where can we put that money? Well, let's look out there where your money is going today. You got credit cards. You got lines of credit through your business that are maybe you're paying 8 9% on. You got a car loan that you're paying 5%. Let's take the money out of the policy or direct from the home equity line. Let's pay those things off and just change the name on the check and put the money that you're giving away back into your control. That's just where it starts. But I mean, heck, I, I do a lot of private lending and I charge 12% flat out. People think, oh, wow, that's expensive. Really? Because I got people lining up for it. So it's obviously not expensive enough. 
So now I take a home equity line of credit. Now let's forget about the banking policy for a second. Let's say my home equity line of credit is going to cost me five. And let's say I take that and I lend it to one of you for your real estate deal. And I charge you 10. Let's forget about the 12. Let's say I charge you 10. I just made an arbitrage of 5%. I didn't have to work any harder. I didn't have to take on any additional risk outside of maybe doing some due diligence. I literally just put my money to work. I can do the same thing with the banking policy. Every dollar that I put through my policy, I just have to find somewhere for that money to go out there and go to work. Private lending, paying off debts, paying my car loans off. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's infinite in what you can do with your money. But we're not taught to think that way. We're taught to take our money, put it in somebody else's control and hope and pray that that stock market goes up. Hope and pray that Bitcoin keeps going to the moon. You know, like stop hoping and praying and just start doing the math because the math is really simple. Cost me this and I can make this. If the arbitrage makes sense, that's, I don't want to say free money out of the sky, but it's literally like you printing your own money the same way a bank does, folks. It's that easy. Well, brother, I'll tell you, I want to continue. I know we our, our uh, episodes are usually half hour. I would love to have you back on if you'd be open to it. Um, uh, this this is really great. I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface. <laughs> this was the this was the pimple on the elephant's butt that we went. Yeah, there's a lot more there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you'd be open to coming back on, that that'd be awesome. But uh, uh, in the meantime, obviously you know your stuff. You know you, everybody that's listening knows that you know your stuff. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you or your company, um, <clears throat> because let's say, let's say somebody listening wants to you know wants to just explore it. Um, what is the best way for somebody to kind of get in touch with somebody uh, from your company? Yeah, well, it's easy. Just go to my website, Chris Noggle, N-A-U-G-L-E.com. And everything on my website's free. Just all the videos I put out there, all the training, everything's free. Just go to there or go to my YouTube at the Chris Noggle and tons of videos of case studies on how people use this. Great, great. Chris, I'm going to reach out to you um, uh, later, Marvin, I, I know you're asking if these are recorded yet. This is going to be launched as a podcast in a, in a couple of weeks. So uh, go to the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast. And that's a great segue for Jeff. Why don't you uh, uh, give the pitch, the close up and a pitch there? <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome stuff, uh, Chris. I'm already looking at your stuff online here. Got it locked and loaded so I can learn more. So again, appreciate having you on here. It was my honor and privilege. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Hey, friends, if you could do us a big favor, go to wherever it is that you're listening to uh, this podcast, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you're at, give us a five star review. That would be amazing. Also, you can go to the, the Redux group. Uh, or I'm sorry, review reduxgroup.com. Give us a five star there. That would be fantastic. After you're done doing that, give me a call. Send me a text message. 703-899-7270. Once again, 703-899-7270. Would love to sit down, chat with you 45 minutes to an hour and uh, see how your business is going and how we may be able to help. So uh, again, love that five-star review. And uh, other than that, this does conclude another episode of your Uncommon Lunchbox with your host, Chris Craddock, myself, Jeff Safright. We'll be back on again this Thursday, same time, same place. Hope to see you there. Until then, keep crushing it. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com. 